0: You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson.
1: Uh, is it possible to be ascending church without establishing ascending culture?
0: I, I think it is. I mean, I, you know, certainly, I'm sure there are people who disagree with that, but I, I think it is because I think we can know... And value sending mm-hmm. without actually equipping for people to live sent, and so for example, we Baptists have been phenomenal over the years at emphasizing international missions. For example, and we started this incredible mission board that that, that has done amazing things over the years. We, we I'm not in any way in anything that I'm saying trying to in any way belittle that. Um, like that has been phenomenal. That's been a great thing. But a lot for a lot of our churches, though, that's been about sending money in or hoping that someone maybe shows up that might be a full time missionary. Or, but but what have we really done though to create the kind of sending culture that allows for those types of people that might actually be sent to the nations, not just among our neighbors? that what have we done to create that culture that allows them to emerge in other words how are they becoming disciple makers even where here where we live so that they begin to grow not only in doing that here but realizing man maybe God's calling me to the nations to do the same thing that I've been doing right here among among my neighbors and mm. you know and i think so i and i think the way that god has been gracious with us is he sent the nations to us right like we You know, you've heard our leadership talk about how much Nashville has changed over the years to become such a diverse community with so many internationals that are even present here. But it's not just about the internationals. I don't want to sound like I'm just beating a a typical missions drum, you know, but it's just this idea that have we actually equipped for disciples making disciples where we live, work and play and serve in the everyday of life and our everyday relationships and conversations have we actually equipped for that and seen that happen versus are we just hoping that are we just emphasizing let's send some mission teams we hope we send some missionaries we'll fund some people that say they want to respond to the nations because we ought to be doing both mm-hmm. and so i think we can be a sending church even let's take station hill for example had you know, when, when Brentwood sent out to Station Hill, that was because there was disciple-making happening in Spring Hill, right? And we affirmed that, and people went with this group that went down there to start this new campus. And And I, I, I've had people tell me I wasn't here at the time, but I've had people say that that hurt some, right? Because a lot of those leaders left gaps, and we had to begin to try to raise up new leaders, Well, when that was described to me, it was a good example of, we've been very faithful at being a sending church, right? Like we sent. We did what we should have done, but to even describe it as we had to begin to raise up new leaders behind that. Take that phrase, which I heard repeated multiple times in that story, and I've had multiple people tell it to me. Just the fact that we phrase it that way, what that means is we had not established the type of sending culture where we were already doing that where we were already raising up leaders because we expected to send. Mm. We were already preparing for sending because that's what we knew must be done. And so we were already seeing sending happen in the everyday so that sending could happen on a larger scale. Yeah, that reminds me as the
1: uh, with our vision to uh, establish a, con- a campus in Nolensville, yeah. uh soon, the need to already be cultivating for uh, leaders to step up in some key areas. That's right. Uh, to serve as folks feel the call and feel led to go and join that that congregation or that launch team. Uh,
0: that that'll be key, won't it? It will be. It'll be huge, and and it's healthy. Yeah. And it hurts, right? Like it yeah. hurts to send great leaders. Yeah. But 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 if you've created a sending culture you realize, hey, even though we're sending some of our best, we know that more are going to emerge because we've seen it. And we just know God's going to do that. This is what He does. Talk to us, well, talk to us about reorientation
1: and 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 why that matters. Why why does reorientation matter uh, if followers of Jesus are going to live sin? And if that's true, what would have to be reoriented in our lives?
0: yeah it's a great question uh, what I love is Jay Strother, one of our campus and teaching pastors for some reason this word has really resonated with him and, reorientation and, yeah okay, and I think it's because as he'cause he, he equipped you know as he teaches and he equips well, and I think over the years he's realized hey we this is what you have to battle right like if you want to see disciples making disciples, you've got to help people understand and begin to really wrestle with the fact that there are going to be some things that have to change in your life to engage in that, right? And so this idea of of reorienting our lives around the mission of God, reorienting our lives, because we don't ever like to admit what I'm about to say, but we in church culture over the years, we've done a lot of, we want to do this for you, God, and now we're asking you to bless it, Mm -hmm. right? Or we want to do... X and now and we believe you want us to do it and now we're and it's not it's not that that's been bad and God's always so gracious with us but I think I think what's important is that we recognize there's a mission we've been called into it's not that we're trying to come up with a nice mission and ask God to bless it and this mission that we've been called into of disciples of Jesus making disciples with Jesus. Right. We've been called into that mission and we've got to reorient our lives around what the gospel says of our identity and security and our purpose of what that kind of mission would mean in the everyday of my life. And so reorientation on very simple and very simple terms. Right. It has to include, for example, what that what your family life is like. Right. Like you <clears throat> it, for a lot of people, you know, home is such a respite and it ought to be. It ought to be a place of peace and rest. But it also it also is healthy if I'm a Christ follower to actually know my neighbor's names and you know to have engagement with them not just not just on very shallow levels and and why is that because I don't want to just send good Christian kids to college I want to send disciple making kids to college I want to send kids that have seen disciple making happen mm-hmm. and so part of that reorientation might be, even be the way that I conduct. If I As a dad, for me personally, for example, how am I living in such a way that my kids see disciple-making, they don't just hear about it? Um, how am I doing that with among them, like like to my kids? But also, how am I doing it with them? I think we've got to think. You know, I know Link Taylor and a lot of our discipleship team, we have a lot of great resources to encourage that at-home kind of mentality. Well, that's a part of reorientation. Thinking instead of like, oh, I've got to add disciple-making to my life, I might think differently and think, oh, well, I go to work every day. Is God putting someone in my pathway every single day that may welcome me into their life and I may have a chance to bring and translate the gospel into their life or wherever I play or work out or recreate or the things that I do in my off time or even the ways that I serve, right? Like, how do I, instead of adding church as an activity Understand that I need to be the church in my activity, yeah. and that's what reorientation does. Like to me, it's it, we, it takes us back to the Mark one seventeen verse, right? What Jesus was saying to fishermen was he was going to reorient them to be fishers of men, right? He, you know this. I'm, in other words, he's going to take our everyday ordinary lives and reorient them into his purposes. Yeah,
1: they would still be they would still fish, sure, but just in a different different
0: yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Total, total different purpose, purpose. Yeah. And, and basically what he's doing is saying, you, you've been oriented to what your purpose in life is. Now I'm asking you to enter into my purpose in life. And I think that's, what's rich about the gospel. Ryan Stevenson has a song uh, that just released and in the bridge, that's what he says. He says, the gospel is not just about this idea that, right, that I get to live my life for Jesus, but it's that you know, I've actually been given his life, right? Like I've been invited into his, his purposes, his name, his righteousness. And, you know, that I reorient my life to that reality and then live out of it, inviting other people into it.
1: What are some shifts
0: necessary
1: in order to encourage, emphasize, and perhaps even equip for a sin culture among the church?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think I, I love those three words. I think it's important for our listeners to catch them. You know, just we're going to encourage this, right? Because I I think we've got a lot of savvy people that are a part of the the of the Brentwood campus and all of our other campuses, and and many people in Middle Tennessee as Christ followers, they get this. They get what disciple making needs to be, and so we want to encourage the ones that are doing it. We want to equip as many people as we can to be living a disciple-making life and uh, sent life. And we certainly want to emphasize it, right, the way that maybe our campus and teaching pastors talk about it or the way that the web talks about it or our social media talks about it or, you know, a podcast talks about it, whatever it is, that we don't just teach a C- one series on it, but we create an ongoing emphasis for it because it, it really is the mission and the purpose of who we are as the church. And so, in order to see that kind of culture and have those kinds of emphases and equipping and encouragement in an ongoing fashion, there are some things that we may have to shift. They're not just language, but let's just give some language examples, right? Like, I think that's, I think from an emphasis standpoint, I think we underestimate how sometimes just changing the nuance of our language. Opens us up to understand something differently, but also to even be able to explain something differently to someone else. And I saw this where I, when I was a church starter, we saw the culture around us because we spoke of church as a who and not a what, because we spoke of church as a people instead of a place or an event. Um, and we were very careful to do so. All of our leaders were. We would get it. We would get com- comments a lot from people that we would engage with. <clears throat> whether it was on a sunday morning or out in the community and they would comment about so talk to me about it. you talk about the church differently what does that mean so here's some language examples for example right so we might understand that um that we don't speak of church with the preposition to the prepositions to in at or from because the Bible never does. So the New Testament never uses those language, those uh, word combinations to church, in church, at church, from church. But it's the most common way that we speak of church, typically in church culture. And some people argue that's just semantics. Well, we can say that if we want, or we can argue that it actually is a, a defining way to speak about it. right? If church is not a place or an event, then how can I just be to, in, at, or from that? I, I, it's really more about who we are as a people. So that's an example. And, you know, even little ways that you emphasize it, like I've, I've, I've used this illustration before. Um, we, uh, there, there, a, a group, this guy spoke, preached this great sermon on on how the church's people and, and then at the end of the gathering that morning on Sunday, this, the person gets up to do the announcements before they go and makes the statement, we don't have church tonight because of the Super Bowl, right? And so, like, we just spent 30 minutes doing this teaching, but, Every week in announcements, people are hearing something that, in a lot of ways, debunks what got taught. Because what we continually speak of the church as is what really becomes the way we, we, that we understand it, and that we really and that we really practice and live it out. So those are some language shifts that we can use. But I think I think two other shifts that I would encourage. And by the way, there's a there's a chart in the Living Scent book on pages eighty six, eighty seven, and eighty eight that give multiple examples of, of some of the shifts that can take place. Not all of them are language. There's some language, and there's some that are idealistic or philosophical. There's some that are very practical. And so um, two other quick examples before we wrap up. Uh, one thing is that in order to have a sent culture, sometimes we've got to make a shift from this simple thought of living for God to living with God. Right. And we've talked about that before. You know, you don't just live for God or, or recently I heard Jay Struthers speak on on identity in the Living Sent series. And he made the statement that you don't live for an identity. You live from an identity. Right. And, and it's little things like at the end of our gathering, you know, when we dismiss people saying simple things like, hey, let's go this week and be the church or let's go this week and live sin or you are loved and you are sent, you know, things like that or. You know, there's simple ways to emphasize it and to make that shift. But then another one that I think is really important is even shifting the way we understand Sunday mornings. Right. Most people understand Sunday mornings as fueling stations. You know, we, we, we come and we, we, we know that we need to be fueled. And that's not a bad thing. Every metaphor breaks down, but that's not a bad metaphor. We, we do get encouragement when we yeah. gather together. But it's not just fueling station, right? Maybe a better metaphor for it would be, and this is part of shifting in a sent culture because it affects the way we understand the church. Maybe a better metaphor would be that it's a post office, right? These letters of Jesus, like Second Corinthians 3.3 3 calls us, these letters of Jesus that are gathering together to be reminded of what their address is, that they are a sent people. So they're encouraged in that identity and then they're sent back out, provoked back out again. And so, even little nuances like that—just the way we understand church, the way we strategize and do and practice, the way we speak of church—all of those things. There's there's subtle shifts that we can make that help establish a sin culture.
1: Let's get there, Jason. Talk to us a little bit about today in our podcast episode about some practical uh, practical ways that uh, that that relate to our being. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as we think about this whole idea of living scent. Yeah. Uh, do you understand my question?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, like people, I think people, I think what I'm hearing you ask is like people want to know hows. So it's a very natural thing. Right. We begin to understand, okay, I get it. That's my identity. And so uh, what does that begin to look like? Right? That's what I mean. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So you know so but i think it's important and i love how you asked the question because i think what's important is that we don't just though think of it as oh okay that's what i need to do but that we instead understand that it's th- these are practices that flow out of who jesus is making us to become not just things that we kind of just go do for god right i think that's the big that's i think been the big shift over the series and i've had some of our campus and teaching pastors say that those types of conversations have been some of the healthier ones that they've had with people.
1: So it's not a list of things to do yeah. that God has given us to do yeah, we're to not make just,
0: disciples. We're not just adding this on to our efforts at Christianity or Christian growth or or like what we think is important about church or, hey, we're worshiper. You know, like think of all the things that you think of as Christians, as Christ followers, that we all have in many ways have put importance on. And now here's evangelism or disciple making or mission or whatever. And it's one of the, one of the top, however number you want to put on it. And it's just one of the many things that we're about. Well, I think what we're suggesting is no who we, this gospel gracious news that we've been given about our identity in Christ. It now compels us to go help others discover their identity in Christ. So that's a living out of our being. It's living from the identity that Jesus gives us so graciously instead of living for that, performing for that identity, if that makes sense. And so it's this idea that there are going to be some practices, though, that come out of that identity. What might some of those practices be? Right? So just take even some of the, some that Jesus highlighted. Let's don't make it complicated. Like he point blank said, yeah, if you love me, Right then, obey what I said. Well, obedience is going to be a part of this, but again, it doesn't come out of just nice, sheer efforts to obey. Right? Right? We we are recognizing that something is at work in us. Something's graciously been given to us. Philippians two. There's a word that we that gets. If you translate it literally, it means energy. Right? And so there's this gospel energy, if you will. That's at work in us that works itself out of us, right? It's not just my efforts of doing something. It comes out of my being that Jesus is what what Jesus is making me to become. And so even the idea of serving the poor, for instance, because in Luke, both chapters twelve and fourteen, Jesus tells us we ought to do that. Right? John the Baptist, even in Luke three eleven says, Hey, if you have two coats, give one away, do the same with your food. Right? Well let's just take that to heart. What if we actually did that? right? Like, was well, don't just go do it for the sake of, oh, look, I checked the box. I did my stuff. No, let's let it let, like, let's love people enough to want to give of what's been given to us. That's the difference. And so that idea of obeying what he's commanded, the idea of loving your neighbor, right? The idea of being able to trust God enough for provisions, Matthew six, you know, don't, don't get so wrapped up in worry, right? Well, that comes out of who we are in Christ. And that didn't, it's not just a practice. It comes out of our being. So we become a grateful people. We become a confessing people. Uh, And and, and this is in lesson six, I think it, or five, lesson five, where some of this list is listed the being kind of thoughts. We become a multiplying people. He takes it there, right? Like, Follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men we we become a listening and a learning people we 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 take in what he's instructing us in the ways the that his teachings right, and you know all these types of things and and we we've stressed it with our kids in those terms or we've we've challenged them be grateful, be confessing, mm-hmm. be believing, be listening, be learning, be loving, be multiplying right those are those are things that we're emphasizing, and then that translates itself out into like what we've talked about before, gospel fluency and Understanding the gospel, how it comes to bear in my life, being able to translate it to others, looking for people that welcome me into their life because my the mission of my life, I'm taking on Jesus's mission. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for people who are who are searching, right? As he said, he would leave the ninety nine to go look for the one. I'm, I'm I'm looking for that in my life. Those are practices that come out of the very being, the very thing that Jesus is making us to become.
1: Yeah, so it's not a task list. I think it's for some of the uh, linear thinkers, maybe even the deep personality people, they're thinking, okay, give me the step one, step two, step three, step four, and I'll do it. Yeah. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is spend time with Jesus. Become fluent in the gospel as Christ is making you to become what He's making you to become. That's right. Those things naturally flow out of you, right? As Steve Layton says, he does. He naturally flow out of you where you live, work, and play. The words and
0: deeds of Jesus. And I think that's what He means by that. And I and I think I think all we're suggesting in the Living Sin emphasis is, and that begins to show itself in the fact that as a disciple of Jesus, you make disciples, other disciples with Jesus, right? Like you. Mm -hmm. And so that that, I I love that. I love how you said that because I think if and, I've, and, and, and I hope, I hope our listeners will really hear this. Like I've had a guy before he was a, he was a top of his class in med school. He was a, he was a very, very, very rich and talented lung doctor. And I was pastoring, lead pastor at the time. And he, I, he met with me for coffee about, after, I'd known him for about six months. And he met with me for coffee. He said he'd been a Christ follower for years. And he made this statement. He said, I hear you every week. Try to unpack the gospel in different ways to us and, 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 and really help highlight how it's in the text, all the various texts that we're looking at. And we typically would pre, I was, at that time, I was just preaching typically through different, uh, script books of the Bible. And, and, um, so it wasn't even like I was just trying to over and over and over repeat a topic, if that makes sense. So various texts, right? But I was constantly trying to help him see where the gospel was in these. And, and he made the statement. He said, uh, I wish you, but I wish you would start teaching us something that was a little bit deeper. And and my heart broke in the moment, and and I I just it was must have been a God spirit thing because, uh, in response to him, I I took him to Ephesians three and I said, hey, what the way Paul prays this prayer here, he basically is describing the gospel as something that is deep is deeper than anything else you could ever try to understand. So my challenge to you, Doc, would be to spend the rest of your life trying to understand the gospel. Don't try to understand any other. Don't try to become a a doctrine guru. Don't try to understand the gospel and its breadth and height and its length and its width is going to completely wreck and completely reshape you for who you are. If I go there, then I'm going to be compelled to do the things that Jesus did. When well when we
1: think about this whole idea of living sent, when we think about what it means to live sent, what then should we become in order to live that way
0: well man i i I think put simply, let's go back to really how we started okay. right? this whole podcast series and and that's mark one seventeen I mean, you know that's not just an evangelism verse, it's not just a nice missions verse. You know, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men, you know, follow me and I'll make you come to exist as fishers of men. We've talked about it multiple times over the course of this podcast that that is a, it's almost like he's saying, I'm going to remake, reform, completely transform, completely reshape and reorient the very purpose of your life. And all these things that you did as fishermen now I'm making you fishers of men. so take that into whatever metaphor for whatever it is that each of us have passions for and strengths in or that we give our energies to and um, and and let it let it be shaped wrapped around if you will, and completely defined by a new kingdom purpose and so first and foremost that's what we're becoming. we're becoming a people. That don't understand the goal of our Christianity as personal goodness, but as a chance to go and help others understand and discover God's goodness. And I think if we we can get our heads around that, it completely changes the very reasons that we for instance even read the bible right we don't now we no longer just read it for ourselves even though that's part of it we we're still discovering our own identity but we're now also reading it so we can grow in gospel fluency and we can go and translate the gospel into someone else's life and but i think the big key in that and i hope people catch this where jesus took it in the gospels is not to a place where he had now a nice holy and elite force right? That we're just full of a bunch of great, good, wonderful people that now we're going to go out and tell everybody this good news. I mean, I, let's don't miss the fact, the fact that they were, let's even just take the fisherman metaphor, the, the Mark 117. Let's just take Peter, for example. Let's don't miss that the moment he tells them, you're going to be a key player in my church, like a few verses later, he tells them, get behind me, Satan. Let's don't miss that he tells him, you're going to deny me. And Peter says, no, he denies that he's going to deny him. And then he does it. Let's, let's don't miss that the moment after he restores him, at the very end of John, John 21, right immediately after he restores him, Peter falls back into his insecurities, just like he had fallen into the waves of that sea when he walked on the water with Jesus. And he looks across the way and he compares himself to John and says, what about him? Right? Like, let's don't miss that. This gospel translation, this becoming fishers of men, this is not a, I will become something that's able and worth and and, and great at and wonderful and blessed. I, like I'll become this huge, super Christian, giant person that's going to go out and make disciples. The moment we fall for that trap, we're either A, completely hindered in it, or B, we don't do it well at all because we shoot ourselves in the foot with our pride and arrogance. But if we will remember That the very person that became the leader of the Jerusalem church himself all the way even to the end before Christ ascended was still bumbling over his insecurities and selfishness and consistently having to translate the gospel into his life because he never quit being made to become a fisher of men. Let's just don't miss that. What we are being made to become is a sent people and part of that is constantly remembering the gospel that was sent to us. And that's the work of God. John 6.29. If you ever wondered, like, hey, what's the work of God in my life or his will for my life? John 6, actually, it's verse 29, I think it's verse 41, specifically say, this is the work of God, and this is the will of God. And the work of God, John 6.29, is that people believe in the word who is sent. As sent ones, let's keep believing. Let's keep reminding ourselves of that gospel. And he will make us to become people that help others for